Welcome to the Have a Drink with Some Geeks podcast. Let's join our geeky hosts on this week's episode. And welcome to another episode of Have a Drink with Some Geeks podcast. The podcast is where the geeks drink a beverage or two, and we discuss our geek topic of the week. Yes. I'm, I'm your host, Matt. I'm Adam. All right. Well, Adam, before we jump into the discussion this week, let's start off by telling you where to find us. You can like, subscribe, comment, and review us on all major social media podcast platforms, Geek Drink Pod. Um, there we post weekly updates on our topic, we start discussions on the current geekly events, plus a lot more. Yeah, we're starting to do like more Facebook, um, just quick kind of takes on some interesting uh, things that are going on. Yeah, yeah, we, we've been posting updates on our various thoughts on stuff like... The Last of Us, I know... It's with... just been The Last of Us. <laughs> it, it's, it's important. <laughs> it is. Um, I know with The Mandalorian coming out in a few weeks, yes. um, Ant-Man comes out this week, Yeah. Uh, Picard starts this week, so it's going to be some good stuff coming out down yeah, the line. Yeah, we, we got some uh, geeky things going on. <laughs> yes, we do. And then I think, and we'll talk about it in our um, Geek Wreck but there's some other things coming out in May that I think are going to be big events for geeks in general, and probably us as well. Understood. <laughs> all right. Well, with all that out of the way, Adam, we do have to discuss the elephant in the room again. It's the drink of the week. Grab your beverage and join along as the geeks discuss the drink of the week. And Adam, you brought us this drink this week. Yes, uh, it's from uh, Deschutes Brewery. Um, where are they at? Or in Oregon. Yeah. Deschutes. 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 Uh, it's the Abyss Coconut. Um it's like a like coconut a stout. Stout. Yeah. Like, so it says it's a decadent mm-hmm. amalgamation of roasted coconut flakes, licorice, cherry bark, and vanilla beans on top of a rich imperial stout aged in whiskey barrels. Ooh, lovely. Which actually explains why when we opened it, I smelled a little whiskey, and I was like, "Well, is this a beer, or are you just give me a lot of shots in the bottle?" Yeah, we could do that later, but. <laughs> don't think our our significant others would be very uh probably not happy with that one yeah <laughs> but uh hey let's give this one a go and yeah cheers, cheers. thanks babe <laughs> Ooh, that tasty that hits in like three or four different spots as i take its wig that's what she said no, well, I mean, like, I, the first swig hit the tip of my tongue, and now it's, like, on the sides of my cheek. Edges of the tongue kind of thing. Yeah, it's definitely one of those uh, barrel-aged ones where yeah. you kind of are like, Ooh, oh, this is giving you a lot of different things going on at once. Yeah, it definitely, it hits a couple different spots, and now it's, the whiskey part's kind of warm in my esophagus. There you go. <laughs> well... Now that the geeks have heard about our drink of the week and we're properly wetting our whistles and lubricated yes, for a discussion, let's dive into our topic of the week. What are the geeks going to talk about this week? Before we uh, talk about the movie, we got to talk about what the theme month is. Yes. Um, I, I had come on, kind of came up with this, and yeah. so it's all on me. But, um <laughs> So if you don't like it, folks, you, you just, know who to blame. Just blame me. But um, it was starting February off right with Edgar Wright and his movies in general. Yeah. And so last week we covered Shaun of the Dead. Um, and so this week we're going to cover... Uh, we're going to be covering um, Hot Fuzz. Which I think is pretty... I, a good segue from last week because we're having the same director, obviously, 
with Edgar Wright. And it was also his next yeah. feature. But we also have the same cast. You do have the same cast. and For the uh, most part. Yeah. Adding Timothy Dalton as a... <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Hot oh, Fuzz is, is a little bit of a different... Like, theme. Oh, and yeah. I think that's the big thing with... Uh, Edgar Wright as a filmmaker is every one of his movies kind of has its own theme. So, yeah. So, uh, carrying over from last week's discussion with uh, Shaun of the Dead, we've got Simon Pegg back again as the lead character, Detective Nicholas. Nicholas Angel. Angel. Um, He is the, I guess he's not a detective, he's a sergeant. Yes, um, Sergeant Nicholas Angel. Yeah, and he was like big shot in London. Yes, um, was showing up all of his superiors in and, the and, and that's the that's a hilarious part of the film. Is it's just like, oh, we're transferring you because you're making us all look bad. <laughs> and it's just he was great in London. And would be a great cop, but he's just making everyone look bad. So they're like, we're going to transfer you to a small village (laughs) in the country. So we've got um, Simon Pegg playing Nicholas Angel. I I keep wanting to call him Sean, but that's obviously going to be (laughs) wrong. Um, We've got Nick Frost back um, as the son of the police chief and also a constable. Yeah, Danny. (laughs) Um... Who has a uh, sort of a fascination with uh, old, like, sort of... American cop movies. Yeah, like, kind of that dramatized, or, like, dramatized, like, cop persona. Like, he loves bad boys. He loves Point Break and all that. But since Um, he's just a cop in a small country town, he doesn't get to experience that. Yeah, he definitely references... uh, Bad boys, obviously the the mannerisms and what he's fascinated with Point Break, and I think mm-hmm. the other one he they bring up briefly is um what's that? What's the cop movie with uh, Mel Gibson and Danny Glover? Lethal Weapon. Lethal Weapon. There, I don't know why I drew Jesus a blank on that. Christ, Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> I drew a blank. I kept wanting to say Day Hard, but it wasn't even uh, <laughs> even in the right genre there. Um. Like you said, we bring in Timothy Dalton, yes. so uh, James Bond, in one incarnation. And I guess that could be a fun thing to talk about, um, and like we could do a whole series on this, but uh, in terms of James Bond, where do you think Timothy Dalton stacks up? Middle of the road. Okay. I think he is, for me, above Pierce Brosnan by a little bit. Oh, wow. I, but I really like Pierce Ross. I did like him, too. And I like Timothy Dalton. I think it was a different generation of James Bond. Um, okay, give me your top three or four. Um, number one has to be Sean Connery. Of course. I think number two does go to Daniel Craig. I agree. <laughs> um, and then three and four are Timothy Dalton, James, uh, Pierce Brosnan. Okay. Okay. Who's your least favorite Bond? I mean, there's only one that yeah, played I'm missing one it. movie. Yeah, and it wasn't really even an official James Bond. Well, no. So um, you had uh, you had Roger Moore. Oh yeah, Roger Moore. And Roger Moore was one of my lesser. Favorite yeah, he did it for ones. so long though. Um, but yeah, he did it for ever. And then um, George Lazenby That's was there. the one that did just one. Yeah, and then they brought back... Uh, and then he thought Sean it was going to ruin his career, and he was like, I'm out. And, of course, it's like, yeah, if you do a James Bond movie, you're going to... You'll get this going forever, but... Yeah. Um, but well, I felt like Timothy Dalton kind of came in after the... Because he... Yeah, he came in after the Roger Moore era, where mm-hmm. Roger Moore's James Bonds were very silly and whimsical and... Yeah. Where Timothy Dalton was trying to bring a uh, more serious, like, gruffness yeah, and to he it. Was, so for those of you who aren't James Bond enthusiasts, so Timothy Dalton was the James Bond right before Pierce Brosnan. Correct. Yeah, he did The Living 
Daylights and um, what was the other one? Um, I'm looking it up right now. Okay. License to Kill. License to Kill, yeah. yeah. But yeah, they were trying to bring it kind of a more serious direction. But coming off of the Roger Moore ones, it's kind of difficult to do. But anyway, we're not talking about James Bond. No, no, we're talking about an actor who played James Bond. But, you know, we have some of the... We have Martin Freeman back, actually has a more substantial role than he did in the last movie. Just for a smidgen. Yeah, again. he's a sergeant in, uh, in London. <laughs> Just the at the beginning and the end. Yeah, and then you Tell also it. have uncredited Kate Blanchett. Lady yes. Galadriel. Yes, so you had Lady Galadriel behind a mask. <laughs> yeah. And completely uncredited and playing uh, Simon Pegg's ex-girlfriend at the yeah. time I guess and yeah it's just Edgar Wright did a, <coughs> such a great job of like he can get so many people yeah. involved in a project and people are like oh I don't care if I play a the main yeah. character main character or, or in her case I'm going to be in a hazmat suit behind the mask as yeah, a for, forensic investigator for like three minutes yeah, if that <laughs> yeah um, so Hot Fuzz, for those of you who haven't seen it, I, I mean, you need to go see it because much like Shaun of the Dead, it's a classic. It's, we're going to talk a lot about stuff that happens in it. So if you haven't seen it, hit pause, watch it real quick, come back and finish your drink and listen to us. Yeah. Be a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Because um, otherwise you're going to be very confused. Yeah. So Hot Fuzz is definitely a British... I would say a British satirical attempt at a American cop movie. Yes, um, completely very much agree. <laughs> like, hey, what is so absurd and American? Of, yeah, like, kind of like what's so movies? absurd about like American like cop movies, yeah. those action films, but then putting it in Britain <laughs> and yeah. being like. <laughs> How would other people react to this? And how how would this play? Because you know, in in the UK, unlike here in the US, it's gun control is so strict, and the average person does not own a gun unless they go hunting. Well, and also, cops in the yeah. UK do not carry firearms. No, they have a little. They're um, they're bobbies. Yep, they're batons. They're batons yeah. yeah, bobby sticks. I think is yeah. what they used to call them. But yeah, batons. But they carry, like, mace or a taser, but that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Only in the extreme circumstances are they ever armed. Yeah. And then there are vehicles, which comes into a joke um, <laughs> carrying on into further in the film, but um, they drive around in, like, I think, like, Citroens, um, mm-hmm. and they're, like, pretty much, like, super underpowered vehicles, like... They don't have like a big V eight or a turbo. Oh yeah, they're not the, the Crown Vicks, and they're not. Yeah, the... well, even like oh god, those Crown Vicks. Like I remember, um, I did like an event or like back when we were in high school, I did a thing to help uh, the law enforcement and uh, yeah, fire department we dressed as a like a dead kid from a DUI. Yeah, hit. exactly. Yep. Like it was like a prom night gone like. DUI hit and um, <laughs> we were all crammed in the back of a Crown Vic because they were taking us back to where our cars were and we're like how fast does this go? And she was like, I don't know, let's find out. <laughs> and oh my god, do they go fast. Yeah. They had big, big block V8s in a yeah, small sedan. Exactly. And they were... Oh god. I, I was... Part of me was scared, but I knew a cop was driving. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like this is so. When you think about it, it's like again going back to Hot Fuzz. It's like normally they have like these Citroens or these Peugeots that are like three cylinder, one point three liters or whatever, and they're insanely underpowered. But <laughs> it's like. Yeah, at the end of the day, they get a WRX, and, <laughs> and they're going crazy. But that's kind of the, I guess, part of the joke is it's a bunch of, like, 
kind of trying to show the American cop movie where you have like the Don Johnson driving a Ferrari. (laughs) And it's also kind of a satirical tape on that, you know, not only just an action cop film, it's a buddy cop movie too in itself. Oh, and kind of a romance. Or a bromance. It's a bromance. I mean, totally a bromance. But I mean, <laughs> I think you see that whenever you see Simon Pegg and I Nick Frost together. I bought that piece for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, but you see that. I mean, look at Shaun of the Dead and how buddy-buddy bromance it was between Sean and Ed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, in that one, Sean's girlfriend was so upset because he spends more time with Ed than... He Just wanting her. to go yeah. to the Winchester and... And all that, I, I I did find out that apparently, um, in Shaun of the Dead, and we should have brought this up last week, but I didn't know till recently. But um, uh, Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg wrote it, and Simon Pegg wrote Nick Frost's character kind of after like a roommate mm-hmm. that he had. So you really get that sort of. Best buds, yeah, that vibe, yeah, that, that feeling. You know, one thing I think this movie does very well compared to what Shaun of the Dead did was draw out the suspense a little bit. Yeah, um, and and I know we were kind of talking. You kind of so for for reference, it's like I didn't see Shaun of the Dead till. After it had come out on yeah. DVD or whatever. But once I saw that and I saw that the trailer for Hot Fuzz, I was like, oh yeah, this is my jam. Yeah. Especially because I love a good action film. Like Bad Boys, Bad Boys 2, Point Break. All of these films they reference in this were my jam. Yeah. These were all things I loved. So I went into this just being like, ah, yes, I see this as the love letter to (laughs) all of these. And yeah, there's jokes in, or like people always joke about like, oh yeah, there's kind of these, I don't want to say homoerotic like undertones in a lot of these movies, but there kind of is. And that's completely okay. That that's fine. Yeah. Like, <laughs> please no. don't, please don't cancel us no. <laughs> over that. But um, I uh, I went into this movie just knowing, like, oh my god, this is gonna be another love letter to a genre of film. <laughs> it not only is it that, but I think it also it really represents. And I think in a in a tongue in cheek kind of way, not so much suburbia America, but like small town America, where it's like everyone knows everyone. Yeah. Um, they reference throughout the entire movie they're trying to win Village of the in Village of the Year again. Yes. Um, to which leads to the murder mystery because of the lengths they're willing to go through to earn this award again. Yes. You know. Uh, <laughs> kind of a weird cult oh God, thing yeah. going on. We'll get into that yeah. in a second. Well, I, I think now's a good time to jump into it. Oh, I mean, then. <laughs> it, they, like I said, it's kind of a weird cult. They, they have to win Village of the Year. They have, they're killing people who would put a negative light on their village. Yes. Like the... The, the skateboard teenagers at the very beginning who are defacing the fountain. <laughs> the, uh, whatever, the living statue. Yeah, <laughs> who was reported by um, Stephen Merchant. Yes. <laughs> For the greater good. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and all the people who died because they're like, oh, well, this guy was doing this and it could cost us films of the year. Um, yeah, think- it gets to a point where it's kind of like, Things are getting kind of petty, where it's just like, oh, he was, he, he was terrible doing Shakespeare, and so we had to kill him. Yes. Oh yeah. Love <laughs> me, love me, say that you love me. And then, um, like the guy who and and it, like Shaun of the Dead, this is gore galore in a very yes. fun way. I mean, you get to the point where remember they're building that model village. And no, not the model village. I'm sorry, they're at the church. 
and the the guy gets killed by the steeple when it goes through yeah, the straw. Yeah, the newspaper reporter yeah, yeah. who <laughs> they only chased. killed him really because he was kind of getting close and also had bad spelling. Yeah, <laughs> but it like it's it draws a very interesting lo- like line between parody and tribute and that's kind of what what I love about it is it's like if you if you love a good action film you love those cop sort of action films you'll love this movie but also it's kind of making fun of itself oh it a does smidgen it, it's the same way Shaun of the Dead <laughs> yeah it, it's very much um, Edgar Wright style to kind of tongue in cheek not be afraid to make fun of what he's working on yes Except for some of the other ones we may talk about later. But it it's definitely, like, balances the line between parody and actual, like, tribute to... Yeah. And so, I think one thing I, th- I really admire and I really enjoyed about this was Simon Pegg. He went from playing Sean... And Shaun of the Dead, who was kind of this underachiever, slacker, um, and now unwitting the, the hero nerd. movie. Yeah. <laughs> the nerd character. Um, to now he is kind of the badass. He is the so good of a cop that he has to get transferred because he makes everyone else look bad. Yeah. He, he is takes his job way too, too seriously. seriously. He, um, he, he but drinks also, and like, sleeps you, being a cop. Yeah, but it's like you also see... It's kind of funny to talk about Simon Pegg as an actor as well, just because he started off as this kind of like, oh, I'm playing Sean from Shaun of the Dead, but now he's in like Mission Impossible yeah, and he's Mission like, is Star Trek, he's Star Wars, badass, like, and you're kind of like, well, this was kind of the start of it, yeah. like, <laughs> um, but I mean, it's such. It shows, for someone who was not well-known to the American audience prior to this, kind of the start of his range. Yes. Um, and we referenced it a little bit last week. You know, you see the parkour sequence where he is just, like, vaulting over the hedges. Okay, so, in the in our last week's episode, it's like, yes, it's a joke where he yeah. parkours and fails. And then in this, he's, like, doing flips, and... He's going a little too hard. He's going too hard, and then <laughs> Nick Nick Frost just runs, runs into, the, yeah. into the fence and knocks it down. But it's... It is really interesting to see kind of the range. It is. Because, I mean, and I guess, like, it's not a Edgar Wright one, but did you ever see the movie Paul? Yeah. Okay, so that's one where I think Nick Frost and Simon Pegg are kind of playing more themselves. Like, yeah, I agree. The, the nerds, like, we're not doing, like, we're not the professionals at anything, but it is interesting to see his range, and especially if you watch Shaun of the Dead and then you see. Simon Pegg and Hot Fuzz, it's like, oh, he's more of a badass. He's yeah. doing his thing. and Well, and like I said, when we talked about Edgar Wright's style for Shaun of the Dead, he definitely changes up his style a little bit here. Um, <clears throat> you still have, during that hedge scene, the long shot, which we talked about, is kind of hard yes. to pull off. But he also has this kind of film noir style when they do some of the murder mystery parts especially like yes when they kill the actor and they have to go into the home and start mm-hmm. it definitely felt like that murder mystery that in again i i think i mentioned in last week that uh edgar wright is such a fan of classic cinema and he just like yeah he wants to do a film noir he wants to do a classic horror film he wants to add all these things to it um just to kind of be like hey i'm i'm this cinephile who just loves everything about it (laughs) and i want to add this into my movie 
So, um, yeah, and then, um, oh gosh, what was I going to say? Shit. Well, let you keep going. <laughs> uh, I, for, I, I had a train of thought and it just derailed. And the train left and Adam wasn't on it. God, it derailed or <laughs> something. No, no worries. I think one of the things I really enjoyed about this movie, Adam, is a lot of the supporting cast in this movie, um, and they're not well known to American act, uh, audiences, but when you look at all the different police um, who are stationed in, in this oh, town, yeah. and you got the twins, you've got. <laughs> oh, uh, the who was the girl? Um, scroll down for a second. The girl that plays um, like Doris or Joyce? Or no, I can't. Joyce, the no, hotel no, worker? No, no. No, she she was the other. She was the female police officer. Oh yeah, um, um, Olivia Coleman. Yeah, she wasn't she nominated for an Oscar. I want to say she was. I'm going to pull her up real quick. Yeah, go for it. Um, oh yeah, she actually is. Uh, she played she, like the queen. She played, she played the queen in the third and fourth season of The Crown. Yeah, um, she's a good, great actress. She's delightful. <laughs> um, she. One thing you may not have seen her in, I, I know I saw her in, was Mitchell vs. the Machines, which was an animated Netflix movie that was pretty fun. Oh, no. I did um, not see that. I recommend that one. Um, it's a f- messed up kind of family with the daughter who thinks her family are crazy and we, machines take over. Like, we kind of messaged, or like, talked about the, uh, I think your your wife uh, watched uh, Love, Death, and Robots. Yes, she did. Right? You haven't watched it? Nope. Okay, so. That's another one with a lot of excellent talent in a animated space. Okay. <laughs> I'm, uh, I, uh, like, talked to JV and Matt <laughs> for all the anime and... No, talk to JV and my wife for all anime. There we go. We, we may just have to have an episode of just JV and... My wife discussed anime. Or, or, or Ryan. Uh, really? Ryan's a huge, huge anime fan. Like, he got, that's what got him to the Navy. Oh, God. And he's, like, seen everything. So, yeah, Ryan's, like... The butchest man we know. <laughs> and, and yeah, in the Navy, and doing not, all that. Not who you expect to be a huge anime fan. In the Navy, you can sail the seven seas. I don't want to think about Navy. him wearing leather, dancing, <laughs> singing any of these songs. Who him. would he be? Would he be the cowboy or the Indian? <laughs> like, um, I... or, or the biker? <laughs> I plead the fifth. <laughs> if he listens to this podcast, we're so, so sorry. <laughs> Things are getting weird. Ryan, you can be whoever you want to be. Be, be, be you. all that you can be. Be, be you, boo. <laughs> be. Well, since we went off the rails so hard right there, I think it's a good spot for us to segue into our hot takes. Okay. going to say this week so i kind of talked to you about this before we start recording this episode but my really only hot take i have of this film a little bit of the pacing and i think maybe that's because of seeing Shaun of the dead and okay this is what Shaun of the dead did and we're bringing back all these same people and the director and the writers I'm kind of expecting that kind of point to point to point to point to point yes. movie, and this was a little bit more of a slow burn, yeah. and not in a bad way, but it just wasn't what I expected. And still to this day, when I if I get told, okay, you can watch Shaun of the Dead or Hot Fuzz, I go to Shaun of the Dead just because I know it's going to be I'm a little bit pick Hot Fuzz, <laughs> yeah. But my kind of answer to that is. Uh, I feel like because it's a kind of a mystery at points, a lot is kept back True. from the audience. Whereas, like with Shaun of the Dead, like there were always hints of 
the zombie apocalypse happening, but then it once you know that zombies are around, you have to just it's showing what these characters are going to do. Yeah. Whereas with Shaun of the Dead, it, it or I'm sorry, with Hot Fuzz, it's it they tried to kind of play off like a mystery, a thing to be solved, a thing to do. And so I think that that's where it came into be where they had to kind of pace things out a little more um, by saying, oh, hey, like, we need to keep the intrigue going. And again, I think that might just be a, a symptom of kind of the genre, like, we, we keep talking about, like, how Edgar Wright loves the genres and how he cares about film. And so it kind of comes down to where I'm like, well, maybe Edgar Wright was like, we need to keep the intrigue going. We need to keep this moving forward. Yeah, I, I understand that piece of it. I just think from coming at this as a casual film fan... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you may have a lot more experience in terms of the artistry of certain things that happen and yeah. choices that are made by actors and directors from our previous lives. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you go into this as a casual American film fan, I can understand maybe how that is kind of over your head. You don't think yeah. about that so hard. And that's probably why I feel the pacing of this movie could have been a little bit okay. faster. Um, there's nothing I really, really would have said. You need to cut. You need to edit it down. I think what's in the film should be in the film. I just think maybe as a creative choice, maybe pick up the pacing just a little bit. Okay. I can see that. And especially with an action film. It's, yeah. You definitely want to keep going. <laughs> yeah, you don't really... And being an action film, you know, it... It does what a lot of action movie tropes do with the high-powered octane finisher, mm-hmm. um, where it all starts kicking off at like the same over. But <laughs> I smashed him on the head with the peace lily. <laughs> you off the fucking chain? <laughs> you know, it's really funny. Let me just go off the hot take, but still saying the movie topic. So Timothy Dalton's running the supermarket. Yes. And he's got his little, uh, really large henchman. Yarp. Yeah. You know who that is, right? <laughs> no. That's Rory McCain. He played the Hound in Game of Thrones. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm not a big Game of Thrones guy, so... <laughs> but I <laughs> I liked him because it... <laughs> He played the character he needed to play. Oh, yeah. Come on, the guys, they call him Lurch. <laughs> I think, yeah, they do call yeah, him Lurch. They do. And he just speaks in Yarp. Yarp. <laughs> or Narp. Yeah. I think they trick, uh, Simon Pitt tricks him by being like, Narp. Yeah. <laughs> but it all works out in the end. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Adam, what is, what is your, or your hot takes for this? Um... You know, and I mean, we're going to probably get into this a lot more um, throughout the weeks, but it's, uh, Edgar Wright seems to like his uh, classic genres mm-hmm. of films. And um, as a guy who, um, like, if you guys don't know this about me, I'm a big fan of the, like, classic B-movies, whether it be, like, sci-fi action horror I love those even if they're terrible movies I love them so I really like um, for me it's like I just appreciate a filmmaker that uh, seems to not only have a a good cinematic knowledge and I know um, Edgar Wright um, posts a lot on on magazines about like these are the movies you should own and stuff like yeah, that. But it, as a creative, kind of what inspires him. And exactly. He and so, like, I guess my kind of hot take is just sort of, like, think about what 
movies you think are like a must have mm-hmm. and it and that's kind of where it's been putting me at is just so um i guess matt could you name maybe like three or four movies that you think are must haves Ooh, that's tough because i mean i could go two ways with that and i definitely think we're gonna have to do sooner than later on like our top 10 yeah and discuss it but uh, i i'll give you two lists here i'll give you Top tens that I just I have to have in my collection because, yes. um, and put him a little on the spot. It Sorry, is. folks. Um, <laughs> I think from a film standpoint and just appreciating film and movies in general, and I, I will go off with the geek and me topics and and and, okay. and that's, well, how about you? You you fire off one, I'll fire off okay, another. Here we go. And, I think. Something that should be in everyone's collection is American History X. Okay, that that is a great film. Edward Norton. Yeah, Stacy Keach. You, you won't look at a curb <laughs> the same no, way I will not ever look again. Curb the same way ever again. Um, Casablanca. That's I, classic. <laughs> it's a classic, but I almost think it's an overrated classic. Really? And that's kind of how I feel about like Citizen Kane. Uh, I like Citizen Kane. I can get like. People not liking it because it's kind of bloated and. Like, it's kind of how I feel about the Beatles. People you feel like, you feel are... like they're bloated. <laughs> no, not blo- well. The ones that are dead. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> but I feel like the the overrated classics, like they're classics, and people gravitate to them because they're classics. Okay, now, not because they are. Amazing. So this is this is off topic a bit, but have you ever seen the movie Out Cold? I'm not. Okay, we're going to have to watch this. Um, it is pretty much Casablanca, but set in like Montana with like stoner snowboarders. <laughs> <laughs> and Wait, no, I, I, okay, I actually, I'm looking it up right now. I think I know what you're talking about. You it said is hilarious. Stoner snowboarders. It's just right out cold. <laughs> it is great. 2001. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I have seen this. Okay. Okay. It's if you watch it with the mindset that this is Casablanca. Okay. It changes the entire film. Okay. I have you, to do that because I haven't thought of it in that sense. Okay. Well, we'll share my Apple TV. I mean, we will not share Apple <laughs> TV or any sort of Netflix <laughs> subscriptions. Um. So, and give me one of your top four. Oh, um, well, one is always uh, Serenity. Okay. Um, so I know. Serenity, I know uh, Joss Whedon is not the most High in regard right now. Popular yeah. person, but I, I think he he made a movie that was both funny and sad and thrilling, and it kind of reminds me of like the old movies back in the day when. You had to have like a little bit of everything. <laughs> I will say my next one, number two, and this kind of speaks to me in my sense of humor and how I how I operate my life. Death to Spoochie. Oh, that one was um, Edward Norton. Again. Edward Norton. Robin Williams. Robin Williams. It was directed by Danny DeVito. Yes, it right. Was. That one was really good. It's it's so underrated. I think now. it it is. I mean, well. Hopefully people will, if, if you're listening to this, please go watch Death to Smoochie because it is hilarious. And it's, it's so odd and it's so good. It's, it's such a dark comedy. Yeah, well, and, and I guess that goes, like, dark comedies aren't for everybody, but I think uh, Death to Smoochie was great. All right, so Adam, give me your third film. Ooh, um... I'm gonna have to go with uh, probably Shawshank Redemption. Okay, yeah, that's high up there. I mean, um, it's it's another classic. Um, so, I would say it's not my top four, but it's it's my top ten for sure. I would have to say my next one would be Schindler's List. Ooh, 
I mean, cin- cin- cinematically. I mean, you can't have, you can't do much better than a Steven Spielberg, and that was going to be my number four. Was coming up with a Steven Spielberg. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just Liam Neeson, um, is Spielberg the 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 cinematography, the choices that are made in that. Who who did the cinematography on that one again? I forget. I used to know things. Now I don't. <laughs> I'm sorry. There you go. Uh, Janice Kaminsky. Okay, well. So, Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. Amistad. Saving Private Ryan was going to be my my next. (laughs) I mean, Saving Private Ryan is really good. Oh, and I think especially for both of these is you as a a history buff. Yeah. It's kind of... I think the only thing I would say, if it was a film which took place, um, Saving Private Ryan, would be uh, Band of Brothers. Ooh, Band of Brothers was... Which really is also good. a Spielberg produced. Yes. And but and Tom Hanks produced as well, I believe, yes. yeah. And it, some interesting, huge name actors in today's world. We'll talk about that as a whole segment, because you've got Tom Hardy, you've got Jimmy Fallon makes a cameo, you've... Um, uh, guy from... Uh, Office space, I forget his yeah. name, but um, he played uh, the second command of the yeah. Easy Company. You've got David Schwimmer, yeah, <laughs> you've got a, everyone in that one, yeah. It's it's amazing, yeah. We'll, uh, we'll probably have to just maybe do like a war series <laughs> that war would be fantastic. And it's just maybe do like Saving Private Ryan, Band of Brothers, Band of Brothers, um. I think the Pacific is another good miniseries. Pacific's really good. I liked. Um, there was one called Generation Kill on HBO that um, yeah. starred uh, Alexander Skarsgård. Um, so the other, <laughs> the other other Skarsgård um, that took place during like uh, uh, Operation Desert Storm. Yeah, and that was really good. Um, but so, then, what's your fourth movie? Oh God! Well, oh, you just said Taken by Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So my fourth movie is a little bit more modern in his career. I'm going to say Gran Torino. Ooh. And then we could get into it with, like, Letters from Iwo Jima. Letters from Iwo Jima, Flags of Our Fathers. Oh, God. Well, I I think Letters from Iwo Jima was better than Flags of Our Fathers. um, Flags of Our Fathers is better as a novel, which I read first. Mm -hmm. Um but we'll get into that later. But Gran Torino, well, Gran Torino is, I mean, it's it's Eastwood at his finest as both an actor and as a director. Also, I will say this as just being a music nerd, um, Jamie Cullum uh, was approached. Um, so he's a British uh, jazz artist. Um, he was approached by Clint Eastwood, mm-hmm. and he was like, I want you to write a song for... I want you to write a song for me. And I don't he, know if that's more Clint Eastwood or Harrison Ford. I don't know. But he, <laughs> he like played a few notes on the piano, and that was kind of the 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 Grand Torino mm-hmm. song. And so Jamie Cullum then came in and was like, "Okay, I'll write this." <laughs> and so I I love me some Clint Eastwood. Like I think. Uh, we could also do a Western thing. Oh, just um, do Clint Eastwood week. Where you, you got Million Dollar Baby, you've got Gran Torino, you've got The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Oh, frick. Like, we could go... Dirty Harry. We could go nuts with that. But, um, but yeah, apparently Clint Eastwood's a big jazz fan. And it kind of surprised me, but it doesn't surprise me at the same time. Yeah, you know, but <laughs> I'm just so um, anyone that loves uh, Jamie Cullum, check out the Gran Torino theme song. Um, he does a beautiful job with it. Um, and I think there was uh, like Clint Eastwood did one where he kind of sang through it, but it was uh, I think uh, from the story I know, um, it was mostly like. Clint Eastwood came in and was just like, oh, I'm going to play a few notes. And Jamie Cullum was like, I got it. (laughs) (laughs) Also, Um, a Gran Torino is a beautiful flipping car. (laughs) Oh, it is. I would want one. Please send me one. 
I don't think that someone as a sponsor will send us a green screen now. Unless they allow us to record in it. We can do a podcast in a I'd do that. <laughs> Give me a Gran Torino. I'll record whatever the hell you want in it. All right. Well, now that Adam's willing to sell his body for a Gran Torino, <laughs> um, let's, let's move into our Geek Wreck of the Week, Adam. It's time for the Geek Wreck of the Week. What are the geeks going to recommend? Well, um... And I know you wanted to start this one off because we're going to have a little bit of discussion on, on this wreck. Yeah, so, um... I guess we kind of uh, wanted to start with uh, one of the things I've been working with and getting through is uh, Hogwarts Legacy. Yeah, so I haven't touched it yet, but it's definitely on my list. Yeah, so it's fantastic. <laughs> um, I I love the game. Um, to be honest, it's like as a fan of Harry Potter and a fan of um, kind of immersion if you will in in like a world like because i feel like some of the best content out there kind of makes you feel immersed in the world and like we're we're going to get into the last of us eventually we just want to kind of finish like make sure everything's (laughs) yeah because it's a lot but kind of when something can immerse you in the world I think that as a form of media or content is huge. And Hogwarts Legacy feels like that. I mean, and and this is a guy... I I went to the Harry Potter land. um, Got got my wands. I have two now. Um, But I... I love the feeling of, like, the attention to detail, the... Everything just feels like you're in yeah. this world. It's a comp. It has complicated mechanics. Yeah, but to me, that's not a problem. So, but let's talk about the elephant in the room with this. And so we yes, right before we so we don't it. get canceled. <laughs> so you were saying, you know, obviously it's come out with. Previously to the game coming out, that J.K. Rowling is kind of a transphobe um, with some of the comments she's made in public. Yes. Um, and then, obviously, people are saying, if you play this game, you support her views. So, so, let, me, so let me ask you a question, then. Supporting the artist, does that mean you support the views? I, I say you can love Harry Potter and not support... J.K. Rowling's views. Okay. I don't think it's fair for people to try and bully others. Um, because I, I see this now as just bullying. Um, just because someone likes Harry Potter doesn't mean they're, they're transphobic. I agree. I think as a consumer of media... How I feel about Harry Potter and how I feel about what J.K. Rowling says are two different things. Yeah. I can support the art form without liking the artist. Exactly. Um, I mean, I think there's certain lines where you draw a hard stop if it's talking about anti-Semitism and those kind of situations. But I think for this, it's like, you know, I don't care if you are transphobic, pro-trans, with the community, not with the community, you are coming in as a consumer of media. And you're coming in to experience a story and and enjoy the art yes. that is being presented to you. It doesn't mean you support the person. Um, yeah. And J.K. Rowling, I don't support your views. I don't think... I, you, I don't either. No, I don't think what you said was... I wouldn't say PC, but I wouldn't say it was very sensitive to the community. And, and I just say people. it's not correct. Yeah. It's for me, it comes down to look. I felt like the Harry Potter universe was always very, very inclusive. And to Unless you're have, Draco Malfoy. But 
But you had to have that for, like, drama. You did. And but, there's always going to be people like that in the real world. Yeah. But I always felt like there, there may be people who find inclusivity within yeah. the Harry Potter universe. They find this um, sense of belonging. And, uh, like, for me, I'm a... I'm an ally. I believe in all the LGBTQT plus. Sorry, we've been drinking. Um, but I believe in equal rights for everyone. Yeah. And, and having people just say, oh, because you play a game, you must be transphobic yeah. or I'm going to boycott you or I'm going to cancel you. It's That's bullying. Yes, it's. it's it's and like, I hate bullies. Yeah, I agree 100%. It's, it's like I said, you know, I may not support her views, and I may think that she erred in the way, in the way she approached it, but she has the ability as a human being to have her own opinion and views yeah, on it. Sure. I think the issue is as a, I wouldn't call her a celebrity, but a person of interest, a person whose um, words carry a lot more weight than yours or mine Mm -hmm. definitely needs to think about how they publicize and come out in public about certain of these views and I think that falls for a lot of celebrities with their either with political views either on either side of the spectrum I really think I don't want to hear it because yes you have um, a higher platform to speak of it doesn't mean your opinion is better than mine or yours yeah but I think those people in those positions need to pay attention to the audience that help get them to where they're at. Yeah, and I, I know I brought this up to you, like uh, Letitia Wright from Black Panther and is her apparently anti vax views. And I'm just like, just read the script. <laughs> don't, yeah. Like, just shut up. Don't I don't care yeah. about any of this. But... I wanted to touch on that point, and I guess this would be my final thing, is when does a a product, or like whether it be Star Wars, Harry Potter, yeah. whether it be Chronicles of Narnia, or whatever, when does it stop like becoming part of the person that created it, and then starts becoming about the fans. I think it becomes that the minute it's published and made for public viewing or public reading, okay. whatever it is, because the way I'm reading it or consuming it, the media, and my headspace is not going to be lined up with how they wrote it or, or made their artistic choices. Yeah. And how I'm going to interpret it is going to be 100% different than mm-hmm. maybe what they entirely intended. Um, and... That's what happens with art. Any kind of form. Video games. It's all subjective. It's subjective. Um, Walking up to a Van Gogh and someone telling me it's a masterpiece and me going, I don't get it. That's my subjective opinion on my headspace at the moment. And so I think the minute you as an artist put something out there for people to consume, whether it is painting, sculpting, movies, video games, books... The minute it is in the public domain for it someone becomes to consume, theirs. it's become, it's mine to consume in the way I want to consume yes. it and the way I want to interpret it. Yeah. So, that that's my, and I know <clears throat> we could get into a big uh, Star Wars <laughs> argument about stuff, or just discussion, but we're not going to do that because we're running out of time. Yeah. No, I completely agree. I think once you turn something over to the fandom, it they can yeah digest I can, that. I can the sit way there they and want. take whatever you decided to to produce as a medium, and I can go out there and be like, oh, I'm going to write my own Harry Potter fanfic where Hermione and Harry become a couple. Or, I, you have yeah. the right to do that. You can make your own headcanon and why and something that doesn't make sense makes sense to you. But it's kind of how, like again, it's like art is subjective. How yeah. it makes you feel, how it influences you, and um, well, it, 
you know, and, and that's the great thing about film and, and these mediums that we discuss so much is how I watched it the first time can influence how I view it for all time. Yeah. But I can also change my opinion because I can come back at it from a more mature or older aspect. You know, there's certain things that I couldn't stand when I was younger. I couldn't stand Harry Potter when I was a teenager. And now I do appreciate it a lot more. Yeah. I, I think it depends on your headspace and, and how you approach it as... <laughs> it's like, I didn't understand Caddyshack growing up, but no. then watching it again, I, I completely didn't understand <laughs> Groundhog Dog, Groundhog Day when it came <laughs> out. <laughs> but it's, it's that sort of thing. Yeah. I think things change, people change. Um, but yeah, it's I feel like once you turn a media over to your audience, it's kind of belongs to them. Yeah, I agree. um, I don't think it's fair for these people that are bullying people who are playing Hogwarts Legacy. Um, Not like I have (laughs) Twitch followers, but I'm like, hey, I would be like really offended being like, hey, I'm not transphobic. I'm I'm enjoying a game. I'm I'm just... Playing a game, and especially because there, there are some characters in the game that you could argue are trans, yeah, um, and are gay, and you could just, but it's just sort of like I'm okay with everything. I'm just yeah. playing this game. I'm trying to have fun, and so that that's we we kind of got off on a <laughs> bit of a tangent. No worries, but um. My recommendation is, yes, Hogwarts Legacy is a fantastic game. Um, I think IGN gave it a 9 out of 10. Um, yeah, this is nearly flawless. I am. Um, I mean, there's there's a few little, like, there's technical issues, but other than that, like, I mean, to feel like you're in the wizarding world, and if that, hopefully, some of our viewers are like, oh, yeah, we love that. Cool. You'll have a good time, yeah. um, and it's very enjoyable. So, sorry. That's okay. Matt, do you got anything for us? <laughs> um, so, I think my Geek Wreck of the Week this week, Adam, is just going to be, like I discussed at the beginning of the episode, May's coming up soon. Mm-hmm. We've got Breath of the Wild coming out. We do have um, the new one. Breath of the Wild 2, so was it Tears of the Kingdom? Tears of the Kingdom, I think, yeah. Trailer just dropped for that. It looks amazing. I've got questions, but I'm sure it'll be answered. Um, I also am looking forward to Guardians of the Galaxy 3 comes out in May. So, really, my record of the week is wait till May. <laughs> wait till May. All right. Um, the, well, folks, the Aunt May. Oh, no. No, 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 no. no. Wrong, wrong, <laughs> wrong direction, Adam. <laughs> well, all right, folks, that wraps up our discussion. But before we leave the ear holes, uh, we want to make sure you don't forget to like, subscribe, comment, review to review us. On all major social media podcast platforms. Yes. Um, and we're going to be getting some uh, video yeah, support. Yeah, we're working so, on it. It's a, it's a spoiler, ladies and gentlemen. But we're, we're working on some video stuff so we can uh, actually get, like you can see, my ugly mug. <laughs> and Yeah, and watch Adam lose it. Mario Kart. Yeah, we're going to... We're, we're actually, so... Funny story. I had never officially challenged Justin to this. Yes, you did. But I have been training. You have been challenged. You, cha- you challenged him way, am, way back. I'm going to get my butt kicked. He, so this this man, JV, is a legend. Yes. And I'm going to die. Well, you're, you're just at least uh, not playing him in uh, Smash Bros. Because okay, yeah. I'm terrible at Smash Bros. Definitely die. <laughs> All right. Wait, I'm definitely high. <laughs> yes. All right, folks. Well, that wraps it up for this week. Don't like I said. Don't forget to comment, like, subscribe at Geek Drink Pod. Leave us a review. Uh, tell us what you think of this week's episode and what you think of Hot Fuzz. And make sure you tell us a friend. Tell a friend um, to listen to us if they are buddy cop. Movie fans. Yes. Um, definitely you get a lot more out of Hot Fuzz if you like the buddy cop film genre. But it's still a really good film. So just check it out. It's funny. It's 
It's, a it's got good action if you're yeah. like, oh, I like action. I mean, who doesn't love action, Adam? I, I think we just need to end it here and let's just say, you know, thanks for listening and you guys have a great geek week. Take it easy. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Have a Drink with Some Geeks podcast. Tune in next week to see what our geeky host will discuss next week. Goodbye.